0: Section 10 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 6, Chapter 8. Part five. When the prosecution and defence had thus exhausted all their resources, the latter was required to conclude, and the case was pronounced to be concluded. Although the fiscal could open it again if new evidence appeared, and the accused could appeal from this as from all other sentences, it was then ripe for judgment but the inquisitors were not authorized to pronounce sentence alone the necessity for episcopal concurrence required the intervention of a representative of the bishop of the prisoner's diocese and in addition the rule of the old inquisition was preserved under which some graduates in law and theology were assembled to deliberate and vote with the others these were called consultors and we have seen that they were a recognized portion of the inquisitorial organization the whole body formed what was known as the consulta de fe in whose hands lay the fate of the accused the number of consultors was uncertain in 1488 at barcelona we hear of a consulta in which five masters of theology and five doctors of canon law were called in and of another in which there were twelve of each but such assemblies were unwieldy and in fifteen ninety six the suprema restricted the number to two theologians and three jurists there was a scandalous practice allowed by the instructions of fifteen sixty one of having the fiscal present without a vote in order to give information information which would be apt to expand into argument subsequently this seems to have been confined to some tribunals but in all he could be called upon to elucidate any doubtful point either orally or in writing no such privilege was allowed to the accused even lawyers who served as abogados de los presos were declared in 1538 to be ineligible for service as consultors in the imperfect records of the early trials there is often no allusion to a consulta de fe although the sentence generally contains the customary formula that it has been rendered with the advice of learned and god-fearing men even this is sometimes omitted but it is probable that the formality was usually observed although in the haste of those terrible days it was as a rule little more than a formality the ordinary custom was to assemble a consulta when a sufficient number of finished cases had accumulated to render an auto de fe desirable and it could scarce find time for a conscientious scrutiny of the evidence how business was sometimes dispatched is seen in the preparations for the great auto de fe at Ciudad Real, February 23, 1484. Among the victims were Juan de Fez and his wife, on whom the consulta passed sentence January twenty-eighth. although Juan had only confessed under threat of torture the day before, and it was not until February sixth that he ratified his confession so that the condemnation was pronounced before the case was finished yet discussion was not wholly wanting in the case of diego garcia at the consulta held january ninety, eight voted for torture and three for perpetual prison but at a meeting next day they were unanimous for torture which diego endured without confession and thus escaped with moderate penance in those early days it was possible as the records inform us was done to read the whole case from beginning to end for in those hurried proceedings the records were brief in later times when the documents of a trial extended perhaps over hundreds or it might be thousands of folios this was manifestly impossible and there was submitted to the consulta only an abstract containing what was deemed important when of course it would be within the power of the tribunal to present it in such fashion as it desired there was a salutary limitation on this by the suprema in fifteen sixty when it forbade the preparation of these abstracts by the fiscal but the necessity for such prohibition is suggestive of existing abuses occasionally the consulta exercised the power of summoning and examining the accused as we have seen in the case of juan garcia in fifteen forty one when there were doubts as to his sanity it did the same with juan vasquez at toledo in sixteen o five which resulted in dismissing the case whether in these assemblies the consultors had a deliberative or merely a consultative vote was a matter of some discussion in fifteen fifteen cardinal adrian and in fifteen eighteen the suprema instructed inquisitors that though they must not render judgment without consulting jurists they need not follow their advice but could consult others and state the reasons for rejecting the previous opinions arnaldo albertino on the contrary after debating the question at length decides that under the canon law inquisitors are bound by the majority vote this ignored the self-dependent organization of the spanish inquisition and rojas asserts positively that the vote of the consultors is consultative and not decisive simancas decides that the true rule is that the inquisitors are not bound by the opinion of the consultors although the question is debated the suprema instructed the tribunal of cordova that if the inquisitors and ordinary are in accord, their opinion prevails over that of all the consultors. Yet in Valladolid, unless there is a majority, even if the inquisitors and ordinary agree, there is discordia, and the case is referred to the suprema. All this was settled by the instructions of fifteen sixty one which declared that if the inquisitors and ordinary were unanimous their vote was decisive against consultors more numerous but that whenever there was discordia between the former the matter was to be referred to the suprema and in important cases even when there was unanimity it was to be consulted before executing the vote we have seen how the gradual centralization in the suprema required all sentences whether of torture or judgment to receive its confirmation under this influence the consulta de fe declined in importance and tribunals began to neglect the formality of summoning it or even of appointing consultors the concurrence of the ordinary was theoretically indispensable but that sufficed and the suprema was quite content to overlook irregularities which marked the diminishing importance of the tribunals thus in seventeen seventeen at barcelona in the case of dr estevan perpignan for impeding the inquisition the ordinary could not attend and the inquisitors voted on it alone they could not agree on a sentence and the suprema sent the case back with orders to vote on it again in conjunction with the ordinary they did so but this time all three disagreed and the suprema finally rendered the sentence it seems never to have thought of instructing them to call in experts and form a consulta de fe thus the time-honored institution coeval with the establishment of the inquisition in the thirteenth century came to an end in a series of votes of the tribunal of madrid extending through the eighteenth century there is no indication of consultors being called in sometimes there are two inquisitors with the ordinary and sometimes one sometimes two inquisitors without the ordinary and occasionally though rarely a single inquisitor by himself in the enumeration of the personnel of all the tribunals about the middle of the century the insignificant one of majorca had eight consultors granada had four cordova three valladolid cuenca and santiago one each and the others had none the institution was rapidly dying out and men no longer inspired to the honor of belonging to it so it was under the restoration in the sentences of the period which i have seen there is no reference to it save in some pronounced by the canary tribunal which have the clause without a consultor because it is united in the ordinary before the suprema had rendered the tribunals mere agencies for collecting evidence and attending to the formalities of trials the consulta de fe may occasionally have been of service in preventing or diminishing injustice incidents related above show that the consultors formed opinions of their own and that the votes were often far from unanimous this was encouraged by the routine of voting in which the consultors voted first and the senior inquisitor last although doubtless when there had been a preliminary discussion the views of the inquisitors had been made known occasionally we meet with debates in which each member of the consulta accompanies his vote with an exposition of his reasons, and sometimes even with elaborate written opinions, showing a conscientious expenditure of thought and labor. Unfortunately, doubts and disagreements generally were compromised by recourse to torture, after which the consulta would be reconvened to formulate the definitive sentence. Not the least cruel feature of the inquisitorial trial was the interminable delay to which the victim was commonly exposed. In ordinary criminal practice, especially in capital cases, the accused may seek perhaps to postpone the evil day but in the inquisition where he was denied all communication with the outside world and was kept in ignorance as to the progress of his own case the agony of suspense concerning himself and those dear to him during dreary months and years was in itself a most severe and protracted punishment this was thoroughly understood not only from the repeated despairing cries of prisoners to have their cases dispatched, but from the habitual promise of such dispatch held out as an inducement for confession. The slow torture of delay was a well understood device of the old inquisition to procure confession when five ten or twenty years interval between arrest and sentence was not infrequent but except in special cases this would not seem to be the motive in spain it is rather attributable to callous indifference and the habit of procrastination the prisoner was presumably guilty and no good christian need waste sympathy on the sufferings mental and bodily of a heretic too pertinacious for confession and conversion in spain speedy justice was constantly urged on the tribunals as soon as the mad rush of the early years was over while this lasted such urgency was superfluous for haste was necessitated by the enormous amount of work to be done and was stimulated by impatience for the fines and confiscations though the formalities of procedure were cumbrous and there were multitudes of cases jostling each other as they wore through their several stages in the great auto de fe at ciudad real february twenty three fourteen eighty four where there were seventy-six burnings in person or in effigy besides the large number of reconciliations there could have been no time wasted on each case among those relaxed was juan gonzalez daza whose trial commenced december one fourteen eighty three when the inquisitors granted nine days for presenting proof on december tenth the fiscal asked an extension of time in view of his other occupations and the absence of witnesses but he was obliged to take an oath that these were his reasons and not malice on december eighth evidence for the defense was already being taken before two deputies of the inquisitors and on the twelfth that for the prosecution before two other deputies considering that human life was at stake the work was most expeditious possibly the speed soon slackened whether it did so or not the suprema was dissatisfied for the instructions of fourteen eighty eight ordered that prisoners should not be worn out in jail with postponements and proceedings must be so prompt as to afford no cause of complaint this urgency was repeated in the instructions of fourteen ninety eight which fixed the limit of ten days between arrest and the presentation of the accusation during which the three munitions were to be given after these cases were to be pushed with all dispatch and without awaiting further proof, for this had led to prolonged detention, causing injury to persons as well as to property. Again in 1500, the tribunals were ordered to proceed summarily and not to permit delays, all this instruction showing that the procrastination was attributable to the prosecution and not to the defense these instructions received scant obedience and the delays were felt as a serious grievance by the accused in 1510 we have a petition to ferdinand from five women appealing for a speedy decision of their cases which had been concluded to which he responded by ordering the inquisitors to expedite them in accordance with justice so among the Aragonese petitions at the Cortes of Monzon in 1533 is a complaint that the prisoners of the Inquisition were vexed with the prolonged delays in giving them the accusation and postponing the publication of evidence, wherefore the Inquisitor General was prayed to prescribe briefer terms. To this the reply was merely that provision would be made for the good administration of justice and the speedy disposition of cases if there were any intention of fulfilling this promise it was resultless procrastination was habitual in all spanish tribunals as we learn from the repeated remonstrances of the castilian cortes of the period which vainly represented that pleaders were impoverished and exhausted in the vain attempt to obtain justice and that the jails throughout the land were crowded with prisoners the inquisition shared in this indifference to the sufferings of those in its hands there were causes of delay in ratifying evidence and looking up the witnesses for the defense and it had besides a practice in all cases serious enough to appear in an auto de fe, of allowing them to accumulate until there were enough to render the solemnity impressive. This abuse was forbidden by the suprema in fifteen eighteen, fifteen thirty two, fifteen thirty nine, and fifteen forty, but its commands were disregarded that it was a real grievance is shown by a summons addressed in fifteen thirty four by the toledo fiscal to the vicar general blas ortiz reciting that it was four years since the tribunal had celebrated an auto de fe its prisoners were suffering much thereby in person honor and property and the inquisition was defamed in consequence on the part of the accused and their kindred there had been bitter complaints to the inquisitor-general and suprema to the emperor and royal council and to persons of influence and three or four months ago the suprema and inquisitor-general had come to toledo to see what was the matter and had ordered the cases to be dispatched and an auto de fe to be held when however we learn that the concurrence of the vicar-general was needed only for the torture of nine persons and the sentencing of ten we see how little occupation the tribunal had had during those four years rendering the delay inexcusable while moreover the effort to shift the blame on blas ortiz was transparent for under the clementines inquisitors were required to wait only nine days for the ordinary the custom of waiting for an auto de fe continued and if in fifteen seventy fifteen seventy one and fifteen seventy seven there were repeated orders that the cases of poor prisoners should be dispatched promptly without holding them for an auto this urgency savors more of thrift than of mercy for it infers that the rich who could defray their prison expenses might linger the provision that the accusation should be presented within ten days after arrest was repeated in fifteen eighteen and seems to have been considered as still in force in 1594 for its observance is included in interrogatories prepared for a visitation in that year but the instructions of fifteen sixty one while requiring the fiscal to present it within that limit give discretion to the inquisitors as to the time of admitting the prisoner to an audience after his arrest and prescribe no definite intervals between the munitions this discretion was abused to the utmost and the suprema seems to have abandoned all effort to check procrastination except in special cases which threatened to become immortal the tribunals kept their unfortunate prisoners lying for months before granting the first audience, and as this required no preparation, its postponement was mere callous indifference without excuse. In a group of eight cases at Valladolid in 1647, a year was allowed to elapse between the arrest and first audience, and subsequent intervals varying from one month to eight before the third munition which was synchronous with the accusation when there was this heartless delay at the commencement of a case it is not to be supposed that there would be any alacrity in speeding the subsequent stages of the cumbrous routine or any conscientious awakening from the supine indifference of the tribunals with their multitude of officials and diminishing work i have already alluded to the mexican case of joseph brunon de vertiz in which there was nothing to prevent a regular and speedy course of action and the brief abstract of the successive steps of his trial will show how he was tortured through suspense and anxiety to death between january twenty five sixteen fifty and his end on april thirty sixteen fifty six he was but once summoned to an audience and then it was only to ask him whether he had anything more to say similar examples can be cited in the peninsula gabriel escobar a cleric in the lower orders was arrested by the toledo tribunal in sixteen o seven on a charge of illuminism and in sixteen twenty two he died in prison leaving his trial unfinished on a similar charge vicente hernan was arrested in valencia september twenty three fifteen ninety two and on august twenty five sixteen ninety five the suprema took the tribunal to task because the accusation had not yet been presented and pointed out that two years and a half had elapsed since his last audience and the case was no nearer an end than before this procrastination continued to the end a writer about seventeen fifty attributes the endless prolongation of the trials to the inefficiency of the inquisitors and this again to the meagreness of the salaries which prevents the selection of capable men but the suprema itself was frequently to blame by its delay in acting when everything had to be submitted to its approval thus when the logroño tribunal sent to it september ninth eighteen eighteen a sumaria on statement of the evidence against fernando de la joseja for irreverence to the sacrament it was not until june ninth eighteen nineteen that it ordered prosecution and when Valladolid proposed, November twelfth, eighteen eighteen, to grant audiencias de cargos to Lazaro Matilla, this was not confirmed until June fifteenth, eighteen nineteen. End of section ten. Recording by Shena Ser, Fresno, California.